0: So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit SoberLink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's SoberLink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is episode 36. And our guest today is Nikki Mosley. And my name is Dwayne Osterland. And I'm your host. And I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute in Long Beach, California. If you're struggling with addiction, and you're in the LA Orange County area, and you are looking for help, please look us up at the forward slash help. Now, Nikki's gonna come on and talk about trauma-sensitive yoga. And um, what's really kinda cool about this is that I took her training approximately two years ago. And what really struck me about doing it, and I'm not particularly into yoga or anything like that, but I took it because I'm very interested in how the body responds to trauma. And in doing this exercise and doing this training, I could really see how trauma-sensitive yoga can help an individual access and access their trauma in a way that is supportive and allows them to move through it in a physical way, if that makes sense, in a, in a somatic way. And um, doing that training really helped me to understand that, especially the language that they use in the trauma-sensitive yoga training. It's really invitational and invites a person to do it at their own pace and in their own way, which creates this amazing sense of safety and uh, the ability for someone to process difficult emotions and feelings and affects. And I really enjoyed it. So I asked Nikki to come on to the podcast and talk about it. So let's go ahead and start this podcast. Before we start, once again, if you're enjoying the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. That really does help. It helps get us exposure and I really appreciate it. Also, if you have any thoughts about this episode, go to theaddictedmind.com and comment on the blog. I read all of those and respond to all of those and I really love to get people's feedback to see what's meaningful to them and what is valuable. So please go there and do that. Okay, now let's go ahead and start this episode. Hello everyone, welcome to The Addicted Mind. My guest today is Nikki Mosley and she is going to talk about trauma-sensitive yoga. Nikki, you wanna introduce yourself?
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's Nikki Mosley and uh, I teach and train people in trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga. So it's a specific technique based out of the trauma center in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, I'm based in Vancouver right now. I'm going to be moving to Alberta shortly, the province of Alberta. And um, I've been doing this for the last probably five years. And uh, what brought me to trauma-sensitive yoga was I've been a wilderness facilitator and guide for the last 20 years, which is a very somatically oriented practice. And um, I got really curious about how the body plays a role in healing. And that took me to do a master's in social work where I had the opportunity to to study with David Emerson, the founder of the technique. And um, that led me to do the certification, a 300-hour certification, and step into the role as a faculty member with the trauma center. And, uh, and I've been running 20-hour trainings and facilitating this technique in private one-on-one sessions and and in classes for the last five years. And I'm presently going to be actually just starting up a job as a therapist at a wilderness therapy based addictions treatment facility in the next few weeks
0: awesome and and you know one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I actually I think it was about a year and a half ago I actually got to attend one of your trainings and take one of your trainings mm-hmm. and uh, really enjoyed it and although I'm not a yoga practitioner myself what I found really interesting about it was just how the language is very specific how you're connected to the body and so much we know now trauma resides in the body so let's kind of go in a little bit and that's why I'm so excited to have you on but let's go a little bit into like what do they mean by trauma sensitive yoga what does that mean
1: Sure. Well, if I'm to kind of get down to some of the nitty gritties of what is trauma-sensitive yoga, it's a technique that's been developed to support people who are survivors of long-term trauma or people might refer to as complex trauma or complex trauma, or developmental trauma. And so I just want to speak to you a bit about long-term trauma. Often in this culture and society, we think of Trauma being interpersonal or interrelational. And I just want to flesh that out a bit and speak to trauma being having many, or not trauma, well, trauma having many layers within the context of ontological trauma, trauma that might happen in community, intergenerational trauma, systemic and structural. Trauma. So, just keeping that in the container when we're thinking about long term trauma and um, how people might be walking around with it. So, and so, what so this, this
0: t- would be just to kind of clarify that. Th- so, yeah. long term trauma is that early childhood kind of trauma with our uh, maybe our attachment figures, our parents, or significant caregivers with that kind exactly. of trauma. Or if we've had some kind of traumatic event young in our life, like the loss of a parent or a natural disaster or abuse.
1: Yeah so long great thanks for clarifying that so early childhood uh, neglect or um, in living in a volatile environment or attachment to caregivers it might be veterans coming back from a situation where they've been in conflict zone for a long period of time it might be EMS workers who are consistently in an environment where they're dealing with crisis situations um, there might be someone who is in a minority group who consistently faces systemic oppression and structural violence um, within a day- to- day setting. So there's a few different orientations to what I mean by long- term trauma. Does that clarify things a little bit more?
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that helps uh, kind of put a, a picture to it.
1: Great. And so the this technique was, as I mentioned, developed out of the trauma center. And what I find quite exciting about it is that it's an evidence-based technique. So it has some robust research behind it that has been developed over the last 10 years. It was founded by uh, David Emerson out of the trauma center. And it's not a process-based technique, it's a very accessible technique. And sometimes I actually refer to it as trauma-sensitive movement practice. So it doesn't necessarily have to be grounded in yoga. That's why I would say it's a training that's accessible for people who aren't specifically trained in yoga, but I think of bringing a movement practice into their lives might be supportive. And what it does is it invites people to notice sensations in their body and then make choices based on on those sensations that they notice. So on the surface, it might appear really simple, but what it's doing is it's inviting people to reconnect or maybe connect for the first time with their body. When someone's experienced long-term trauma, the body can become a pretty scary place to uh, feel or live with because there's a lot of things that can go on. It can hold a lot of implicit memory. With Kizik free shoes, motion sounds something like this.
0: So for, for, for someone like that, that might be like uh, kind of like uh, affect, like, um, or anxiety, or uh-huh. mood, or they're kind of holding that all the time in their body when they have that long-term trauma.
1: And if someone's triggered, if someone's triggered, there's all kinds of stuff that can, feelings and sensations in the body that can go on that just take them right back to that experience. So that's an example as well. Or someone who might dissociate and not feel their body or not want to be in their body. That could be an example. So what this technique offers is the possibility to, A, begin to feel one's body again, and then maybe begin to create a relationship and recognize the body actually as a resource that can give us information and support us to develop boundaries, or support us in making choices for ourselves.
0: So it sounds it sounds very similar to uh, mindfulness.
1: Well, you know, it's it's similar, but I would say it actually comes before mindfulness because, of, well, oftentimes. People can imagine mindfulness to be sitting in meditation. Sometimes that's how people orient. And so, what this technique does is through moving and noticing your body, you're developing new neural pathways by making choices based on what you're noticing. So, it is similar in the sense that it is using the neocortex, but often that's the front brain. But oftentimes, people who've experienced long term trauma, that neocortex or that front brain um, can be quite deactivated. So, making choices when there's a lot of sensation in the body can be a very challenging thing for someone to do sometimes, or not feeling like they even have a choice to change their situation. And so, what this technique does is it's starting to rebuild neural pathways between the limbic brain and and brainstem into the neocortex. So people are starting to develop those pathways of making choices. And if I'm to get down to the real nitty gritty, there's a word we use called interoception.
0: Wow, okay.
1: (laughs) So what happens is with long-term trauma, the relationship between the body and the brain Um, The pathways can be interrupted and disruptive. And that's called the interoceptive pathways. Okay. And so, what trauma sensitive yoga is doing is rebuilding the interoceptive pathways. So, it's actually rebuilding some nerve pathways between the brain and the body.
0: So, by that, um, paying attention and noticing the body, they're actually kind of, you're kind of saying repairing the brain or growing that ability again. I don't know if that's the right way to put it.
1: Yeah. So to give an example of what interoception is, is like when we're hungry, there's actually a feeling we experience in our stomach that tells us that we're hungry. Or if we need to go to the bathroom, there's actually a feeling that we feel in our body. But those those are basic biological functions and those can be interrupted because our brain has been in such survival mode or such fight and flight response for so long, such in under chronic stress, that it can be hard to notice these things. And so, what this technique does is start to rebuild the pathways, so that we can notice that our body is giving us information. And and it's actually there's there's been some research done on neuroimaging of the brain, and actually the specific parts in the brain that this technique might be impacting. And and actually reactivating, re reactivating and reinvigorating. And I don't need to get into those specifics unless you're interested, but it is creating some shifts in neuro in the neurobiology of a person.
0: Yeah. And and when I was doing the workshop with you, that was something I really noticed because it was very, you know, just paying attention, mm-hmm. paying attention and watching yourself move through that present experience.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful like that. I love how you describe that, that present experience, because it can be really challenging for someone to be in the present moment when they're being triggered all the time, or they're, it's, it's, they're being taken back to thoughts or feelings that take them back to that experience. So this technique really invites people to have a present moment experience and they get to be in charge of their body when they're practicing. So they don't have to be doing what I'm doing in the front of the room or what I'm inviting people to do. They really get to meet themselves where they're at and make choices so they can stop the practice at any point and rejoin. They can adjust and change their forms.
0: And that's that's one of the things that really stuck with me after I did this workshop with you was how almost like how comfortable as you did it, how comfortable like I became in just Doing my own thing—I mean, following the instructions that you were doing, but also having that total choice and control
1: mm-hmm.
0: to do what felt right for me in that moment. And um, I know that was part of the language that you used as well when you were doing the workshop, which was really changed my thought a lot about therapy in general.
1: Yeah, it's it's that's some common feedback that I get after classes. Is like, oh, I really love that I actually get to choose that that you're, that that we don't have to do exactly what you say. It's really a new experience for people. And, um, the language that I use is very base. It's lots of language of choice. So I'm constantly suggesting things or maybe you want to do this, or there's a possibility you might feel this. And it's also lots of language of inquiry. So, Inviting people to notice or inviting people to maybe feel what's in their neck when they're stretching one ear towards one shoulder. And they might feel something. They might not notice sensation in their muscles as a possibility for that, too. So there's lots of space for people to have an experience. And uh, and I would say the main, the main thing would be for people to bring curiosity. That would be the prerequisite.
0: Okay, okay. Could you kind of, for someone who's listening, could you be able to kind of paint a picture of what might, if someone was to come to a trauma-sensitive yoga session, what it might look like?
1: Sure. So um, if they were to come to a class, um, they would come to a space where there'd be other people. Um, I would be there to meet them and um, welcome them into the space. They get to choose where they place their mats And it would encourage people to wear comfortable clothing, so something that they could move in and and didn't feel restricted for them. There would be access to blankets, access to some blocks, and access to a bolster. And uh, we would begin the class with me sitting at the front, and uh, people would be sitting and facing me at the front. And, um, and then I would explain what there's an opportunity for to notice sensations in their body and then to make choices based on what they notice and, and then begin leading people through, through a practice. And throughout the practice, when I look around the room, people might, some people might be stopped and, and taking a moment to regather themselves. Some people might be doing exactly what I'm doing in front of the room. And that's happening throughout the, the practice. And, um, and then we bring it to a close together. There's no process, processing that's involved in this technique. There's no uh, directive language, if I'm to use it that way. I'm striving to create a, as safe an ex- a container as possible, as predictable a container as possible for people to experience. And that being said, there's definitely stuff that comes up for people And, um, that's where they get to make choices, whether they stop the practice or, and, and rejoin at some point or whether they spend the duration of the class laying on their mat or sitting on their mat.
0: It seems like it really gives a lot of people who have, have, have had trauma in the past that it really gives them a sense of, how would you say this? A sense of control of themselves and their environment, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so oftentimes people in trauma, there can be, who've experienced long-term trauma, there can be the experience of feeling stuck and not being able to choose whether it's feeling like a prisoner in one's own body or whether it's feeling stuck in a situation or circumstances that that are unhealthy or not serving them. And so this space allows them to make choice, which can, can offer potentially an empowering experience for someone. I would say that's, that's a possible outcome for this. Definitely is, is empowerment, having a present moment experience and making choice, and that may be being empowering. We really try to not be attached to the outcomes in this practice because healing from long-term trauma is such a personal journey. And so what someone might experience through the practice could be very different from what another person experiences. So my priority is to really not have an agenda of what what I want people to experience. It really is a journey for people to discover their bodies and to discover what they're capable of and what they're not capable of and what they might offer them through this practice. And then take that outside of the practice and begin to... Um, apply this to their day-to-day lives
0: how would that occur them being able to kind of take this lesson out into the world
1: yeah well what i do encourage is and and kind of part of our protocol i would say is that people do have a therapist or counselor that they're seeing so that if there is stuff that comes up in the class they can process this and also it's supportive to process this to figure out how to transfer this into their day-to-day lives but I, I would say ways that people bring it out is, an example is I was doing a class in, uh, in Boston and there was a woman at this class and the class was maybe 30 minutes long and she participated in probably a third of the class. And when I say participate, I mean she actually chose to do a third of the forms, though a third of the postures throughout the class. The rest of the time she was choosing to stand there or sit on her mat. And after week three of this yoga class, once a week, she came in and she's like, I've got new yoga clothes, was like so empowered and so excited about having these new yoga clothes. And at the end of the five weeks of the classes, she said in, in the kind of feedback forms, she said, you know, I can't believe it. I'm sleeping better at night. I'm able to feel calmer at work and make clearer decisions at work. And this was someone who was coming once a week for half an hour and only doing a third of the forms. otherwise just making choices that were supportive for her. So it's not something that's necessarily consciously bringing to life, but begins to slowly integrate.
0: Yeah. It's amazing to, to see how the connect, what I was thinking was the connection that uh, we're beginning to see with just how the body works somatically yeah. that sometimes there's just no language you can't, um, cog, I mean, cognitively understand and just by experiencing it in this new way, it's, it does some kind of shift.
1: Yeah. It's a really great point. It's, not a cognitive process, which is actually quite refreshing for people. Um when people have been in therapy for five, ten years, they feel talked out,
0: yeah, and they might. you know, what I've also experienced is that they they've talked about everything. Yeah. they know everything. they've talked about everything. And this is something that I see a lot in people who are struggling in recovery to get long-term sobriety. They have tremendous amount of insight about their childhood trauma they have insight about all the difficulties the the traumas that they faced and they know it on a cognitive level but on a body level they're still almost like those two are still disconnected Mm -hmm. and they're still being impacted by the nervous system the the body in that trauma
1: Yeah. And and this technique in terms of supporting the nervous system to reconnect and offer the potential of some self-regulation, it's really important to connect with the body. And a lot of when, when someone's triggered and wants to use and has a craving, a lot of that is based in body sensations. The first, that's where it first happens. And so- a person can begin to develop that relationship with their body and begin to see that they can maybe change what they're feeling in their body. They can maybe take a different action or move their body in a different way, and that might, ex- might change the experience that they're having. Maybe that could shift the correlation with their trigger. The other thing is because this is developing on the neopathways to the neocortex, the front brain it also develops that mindfulness piece that you're talking about. So when someone is triggered, they're still able to recognize that they have a choice and be able to move through that trigger. That's what this is doing as well by making choices um, when they're noticing sensations.
0: What about, I have, I have a question about, like a lot of times what I see in a lot of people who are struggling through this is, is like almost a fear of their own emotion. Mm-hmm. A fear of their own response to like what you said, some kind of trigger mm-hmm. and how does trauma sensitive yoga help with that? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense what i'm what I'm trying to communicate
1: so like a fear of feeling an emotion in this trauma sensitive yoga might Support that fear,
0: right? No, um, like if you know, sometimes what I see in a lot of people when they have like a a fear of their own emotions, so they've they've kind of truncated their emotions, if that makes sense. And so it sounds like this is the safe environment for them to begin to experience some of these sensations instead of trying to shut them off and be hyper vigilant to them. They're actually allowing themselves to be exposed to these emotions that. Are, they're afraid of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, an, an example what I what I think you're saying is might be if someone's been in therapy, like you said, and done the cognitive process, and and actually can't go any further because of s- so much emotion that feels like it is in them, and they don't want to face that emotion. This technique can support building safety in the body, which then. It's, it's fascinating, again, it's not a cognitive process, but as someone begins to experience safety in their body, it can be easier to access that emotion that maybe previously gave so much anxiety or so much fear. It might not feel so intense and you can begin to approach that emotion as one begins to develop safety with the body.
0: I think that's a, is safety with, with the body. I think that's a that's a yeah. great way to, to phrase it.
1: Yeah. And seeing that it's, that it's there, it's there for us. Like it's possible to have, be friends with our body, to have a relationship with it right. and that it, that it leads, it does lead to these intense emotions and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, um, that yeah. That it could be supportive to use our body to move through our emotions.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what would you know, if anybody's listening to this podcast and and they're listening to you talk, what what message would you want to, to bring to them?
1: I would encourage people to bring curiosity to an inquiry of getting to know their body and what their body has to offer in their journey of healing. And that this technique of trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga could be a practice that's accessible to many demographics to begin to build that relationship in their healing journey from long-term trauma, from addiction and recovery.
0: Oh, thank you, Nikki, for coming on and, and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with the Addicted Mind podcast, and and kind of talking about this as a resource for people who are struggling with trauma and addiction. I r- really appreciate it. So, so if welcome. somebody wanted, <laughs> if somebody wanted to to know more.
1: Sure, they can access my website at uh, www.traumasensitiveyogawest.ca all one word, that's traumasensitiveyogawest.ca or they can email me at uh, mosley, M-O-S-L-E-Y, Nikki, N-I-C-K-I at gmail.com and thank you so much for your curiosity and inquiry and having me on this show, I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Oh, Nikki, you're so welcome, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. All the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 36. Once again, please rate and review us in iTunes. That really does help. And I love to hear from you guys when you comment on the blog. So please do that if you're so inclined and you have more questions or thoughts about the episode. So that's it. And I will see you next week.